Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Cast Dice, the podcast that explores the great big wild world of tabletop gaming that exists today. It has been said once or twice, mainly on this podcast, that we are in the middle of a gaming renaissance. There are just literally too many good games for us to spend our hobby time and our hobby dollars on. It can lead to a serious case of not knowing what to play next. And I guess that's the purpose of this podcast. It's to uh, dig into some of the, the games that my guests and I are enjoying playing, uh, some big industry events that may be going on, or sometimes we're lucky enough to talk to the people who make these games. Now... Today is one of those days, and we do have someone, uh, the man behind the half of uh, the great partnership that brings us a game company that has a ton of really cool licenses. Uh, now, this is a tabletop gaming podcast, uh, and so there is it is very analog in nature, and if you've listened to the show long enough, you'll know that I'm just really not a video game guy. I grew up with video games. I love video games, but I they just can't hold my attention except for one in, in, in kind of one and a half because they're the same engine with two very different universes. And if you've listened to the show before, you've heard me um, do an entire episode about the Fallout board game by FFG. Uh, now, I do love Fallout and I, I've embarrassingly been playing Fallout 4 since it came out. I Every month or two, I'll pick it up for a night and play it for a while, and then I'll put it down again. And it's just one of those games that I can just keep coming back to and playing. And associated with that, of course, is the other great Bethesda title that a lot of people play uh, that is theoretically never-ending, which is Skyrim. Uh, now, what I'm really excited about is tonight's guest uh, is is the guy behind the company that has one of the best artificial intelligence systems for solo gaming. And the, that, that engine, that aspect has been tied directly to these two uh, intellectual properties that I'm so invested and excited about. Of course, that would be Fallout and the Elder Scrolls slash Skyrim. Of course, I'm talking about Modiphius. And if I'm talking anything Modiphius, I have to be talking to the man behind uh, the curtain, so to speak, and that would be Chris. Chris, welcome to Cast Dice. Hello. Thank you. Nice to be here. Man, it is great to talk to you. I know we've been talking about you coming on for quite a long time, basically since Fallout uh, Wasteland Warfare came out and what was that, 2017? Yeah, yeah. It's amazing how time's flown, actually. Yeah. Now, Chris, I did say in the intro that um, one of the things that I absolutely love about Fallout um, is the is the artificial intelligence system. That it's not only something that you can play solo; it's something that you can play uh, collaboratively or cooperatively with friends. Uh, and that's sort of a rarity uh, up until recently in the gaming industry. And given COVID, I mean, mm. it is is more important than ever. But this isn't just something new and off the cuff for you. This is sort of a design uh, ethos that really drives a lot of the games that you guys make at Modiphius, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I actually started as a solo wargamer um, as a kid. I remember collecting lots of old Citadel fantasy mm -hmm. miniatures from friends, um, badly painted or cast-offs, mm -hmm. and then... Um, I would uh, I also use uh, Prince August, which lets you mold uh, your own miniatures. And they, they did some orcs and, and knights 
back in this was back in the 80s and um i'm not sure it's a good idea that a, a 12 year old is uh, melting uh lead on the on the cooker <laughs> come on we all did but, it right yeah sure so uh and then spray painted them and you know and some of them would come out very blobby because you didn't put enough lead in and you were like yeah it'll do <laughs> and uh but anyway so i would make up my own armies and um create my own rules and and i learned how to play against myself because then i always won mm-hmm. um but what i really delved into was the storytelling and creating these fun adventures on the tabletop with these big battles and then i and then i discovered napoleonics you know the old British um, British war game scene is like very old school, and you've usually got a few, a lot of bearded old guys in a in a room above a pub playing twenty eight mil Napoleonics or yep. six mil, you know, Soviets versus Americans or whatever. And I so I discovered Napoleonics, and then the, the, and then that was a more affordable fifteen mil scale, and started uh, collecting those and and painting them up, and got my brother into wargaming, and then I, I then I got to uh, Amer- English Civil War, which was lots of fun because it was like cavalry and guys with guns and lots of swashbuckling fighting and pikes and all sorts of, and it was very colourful. Mm-hmm. Um, so all this time I was you know, figuring out how to play games on my own. And, um, and that's kind of really stayed with me through the years that there's a lot of people who, um, don't have a local club, don't have maybe wargaming friends nearby and yet they're collecting all these cool minis. And wouldn't it be great if there was an actually good solo wargame system. And there's lots of people that have done it over the years. You know, the classic thing is, you know, the enemy moves towards the nearest friendly, and that's mm-hmm. it. Uh, or if they're an art, if they're a range unit, they move into cover and shoot you. But I always wanted a system that could play the game, and that meant play the objectives, and that wouldn't just attack me. And um, and so when we started working on war games, um, obviously there's a lot of work that's been done in board games for AI and um, kind of AI logic. And one of my insistences was that um, that Fallout had to have a solo mode, especially now, I think, because even even in my personal experience, you know, my own uh, gaming group that mostly played board games and role-playing games, you know, one of the guys has had a baby, a couple of people have moved in different directions, so we don't always meet up as much. Um, well, before lockdown, of course. Yeah. Um, and so, and I'm pretty sure that experience is replicated a million times globally. Not everyone is with their gaming group, so we need to provide a way to 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 play on our own uh, and a satisfactory way that's fun. So the the Fallout AI system evolved out of that, such that you can just try and stop the AI doing the mission and that that was the biggest thing for me is that literally the ai is playing this scenario i'm just going to try and stop it and that that was groundbreaking i think and because it doesn't it it it, every um and i think one of the key things in that was the fact that every unit is treated differently it has its own ai card and so a big dude in power armor is going to act differently to a guy in light armor with a pistol who's supposed to be hacking doors and nothing else. Yeah. He's, and he acts differently based on 
how many friends are nearby. Whereas the big guy in power armor acts differently depending on how many wounds he's taken. And, and because we have that aspect, we can make each faction feel differently that the big tooled up warriors are, are, are pretty much going to go fight. And then we also have this second, this other aspect, which is, are they just, you know, a, a guy in power armor just steams forward, doesn't care if he doesn't really care about cover. He's just going to exactly. steam towards the enemy. Um, a big brute, um, angry super mutant is just probably going to charge straight at you unless he's got wounds. So as they, the more wounded they get, um, the more cautious they get. So they'll start to use cover. Mm. Um, and, you know, a, a little IT guy, the, um, you know, the, uh, the Brotherhood of Steel scribes, yep. uh, you know, the IT in the field, um, they like are really cautious all the time. And as soon as they, they're losing too many friends, they're going to back off, you know. So, so it gave us this ability to really flavor the factions nicely. Yeah. And, um, you know, through uh, the use of, um, you know, if, a, if, a, if the grid says they're going to go after the objective, um, and everything can be flavored around that. So then they will go, you know, I've been playing games against the AI where it stopped attacking me and just ran for the objective and ran off the board. <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> should have seen that one coming. <laughs> um, and I mean, it was literally like, you know, there was a big TV that the super mutants wanted, of course, mm -hmm. to watch super mutant bowl, I guess. Yep. And, uh, you know, I was just trying to stop him getting the TV and he got it. So that was pretty awesome. And uh, and, and also, I love to hear that people are, have been beaten by the AI, that it's tough, that it's exactly. hard, because then you're like, oh, man, like, if only I took another power armor, maybe I'd beat it and try it again. So, I, you know, we want it to be hard and, and aggressive and um, and surprise you. And I think that's another key thing is like most AIs, you're like, I know they're just going to attack me all the right. time. So, exactly. You, um, you 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 choose your forces and you play the game based on that. But when they surprise you, you're like, wait a minute, <laughs> I didn't know he was going to do that. That's good, you know. Exactly. And it's something where, and this kind of ties into my narrative push. And we, we we took that same system and kind of simplified it a bit for Skyrim because in Skyrim you have these three very distinct flavors of. Um, of sort of might, shadow, and sorcery. And so we flavored the AI around that. And so every unit in a faction could be a might, you know, it could be might, it could be sorcery. And so the AI is based around that. But we use the same principles of, you know, it will chase the objective, et cetera. Nice. Well, um, hey, hold on. If I can, I, I know you're on a roll, but I want to just, you've, you've given me so many of my question list. There's about eight things that I want to talk about that you just <laughs> talked about. Um, I want to dig into a little bit as someone who, as I said, I love Fallout. I played Fallout New Vegas to forever and until I got Fallout 4. Um, one of the things I love about it is though there are, I mean, types, you have the super mutant, for example, you have the, the feral ghoul, you have these things. There are variations on that. And what I love is and you did allude to it, but let me be clear for people who aren't familiar with the game. I'm holding in my hand 
uh, four separate super mutant cards. We have the Hound, we have the Super Mutant, the Basic One, the Suicider, the Aviator, and I know there are other super mutant cards as well. Each one yeah. not only has its own stats, which is cool. I mean, it gives you the variation and variety on the tabletop that you expect, but each one has its own AI card as well, um, which, as you say, means that each one behaves differently. So just, yeah. and I was, I was in preparation for this episode, I sat down and played Fallout 4 the other night, and I ran into a building full of super mutants, and literally while I was playing, I noticed the hounds charged up to get me while a yeah. suicider ran up behind them, and I was ducking fire from super mutants up on top of the, the gantry who had pipe rifles and a minigun. And I'm going, oh my God, you can literally <laughs> play this, what I am doing in the game right now. Yeah with this game solo and everyone's acting the way they should which is yeah. narratively fantastic i mean that was that was the idea i mean it's always hard with a a system that you code into some text and mm -hmm. cards um but you know james sheehan the the designer um he you know he was able to get a lot into into that that such that you know stuff happens and it but it kind of happens the way it should you know like i said like you say super mutants act like super mutants and and mm -hmm. because every unit has a card we can give it a different flavor you know they've got different stats different abilities um and it really does you really do see the flavor of the game coming out especially with heroes as well yeah and i mean it's one thing to to have these cards and to have that variety and i think you've absolutely nailed the ai which i keep saying again and again but then on top of that, you guys have done a wonderful job of coming up with missions uh, or scenarios to get you on the tabletop and to have an objective or a goal. Meanwhile, um, these creatures, other characters, monsters, what have you, robots, are there as well, and they are part of the narrative. And the way the, the missions are laid out... Uh, it feels very almost a role playing esque, um, and and I especially love especially when you're learning to play these games. There's always that um, mission at the beginning where it's like, oh, now walk to the jukebox and put money in it, yeah. and then shoot the th pick up a gun and load it for the first time. Now shoot the thing that doesn't move. Oh, and yeah. there's a giant rad scorpion. Or shoot that now. Your yeah, yeah. game in the learning to play, it has a learning to play booklet that literally is Fallout. And it, it's like, <laughs> now walk from this part to this part to this part. And as you go, do these things. And it lays yeah. it out so you can learn the game just like you'd learn Fallout, which is genius. Mm. <laughs> yeah. No, they do. Yeah. It's, I was really pleased with how the, the kind of uh, learn to play uh, came through. I mean, in the, the game, has a I think it has a certain level of complexity because it's about you know it's trying to replicate lots of the cool things to do with fallout but once you get to grips with it the um you know we we have colored measuring sticks you know the colored mm -hmm. dice like we use color a lot because um it strips away a lot of the complexity once you understand everything exactly. and because exactly. your brain reacts really in a different way to color to, than to numbers like you know if you've been playing for three hours you know there's always that oh wait a minute how far do i move uh was it 10 inches but it's when it's black 
your brain just remembers that mm -hmm. and you start mm -hmm. to remember colors and your brain starts to tell you how far black is because it knows it already knows that it, it it's it's very clever how that works out and it it simplifies gameplay down a lot it does. And for those at home who haven't picked up the, the box, what Chris is talking about is there, you don't use a tape measure in this game, use range rulers. Um, and each range ruler has a corresponding color. Um, so as you say, you, it's very clear to say, oh, my guy walks green or runs red. And this other guy yeah. might run orange. Uh, yeah. And, and they do have, yeah. they do have, uh, I mean, we also list how far, how long these, these sticks are. They're like right. six and eight, 12 inches. But it's um, you, you often you get some resistance, like oh, why are there funny dice? It's like well, there, there are funny dice because when I tell you that this gun does two green dice at short range, you know immediately that green dice make you more accurate. But they did two yellow dice at long range, so at short range you're going to be more accurate, and at long range you're going to penetrate armor better. So I'm like, okay, I know exactly what this weapon does. But if I said it's a three plus, but it's like got this special rule, and then it's two plus at this range it's not immediately obvious. And I think that's what I really like is there is that little barrier to get to understand the colors, but once you do, it's like, it just clicks so easily. Yeah, it it was, I, I'm not gonna lie, when I opened the box, it did look, when you first pull out the cards and you start flipping through them, it's like hieroglyphics almost, because there's <laughs> tons of symbols and there are colors and they're all lined up in a very particular way. And when you first look at it, you go, wow, what is this? Um, I don't know if this is good or bad or if this is, you know, this literally is in English. Um, but then as you read the, as I was talking about earlier, the, the learning to play booklet, um, it immediately becomes evident. Oh, this is that. This is that. And it explains it very clearly. Um, and then there's a very handy cheat sheet in the back of, I believe, the uh, campaign book or the basic rule book that has just all the symbols listed out, just nice and easy. Um, in case you are, as you were saying, an hour in going, wait, where did I see that again? Um, yeah. it's very, the, it's there easy to find. Yeah. Yeah. Now, another thing that I love about the system, um, while we're talking about the characters and the AI and how the scenarios work is, I mean, if you play fallout at all, you know, that there's always the side quest. There's always something to be found. There's something to loot. There are, and there are a million things to find, and that's part of the appeal of the game. Um, and you guys have been able to bring that in in a really rich manner. So while you are in the middle of exploring, um, there are things for you to check out. There are uh, boxes to open. Um, there are different objectives to then secure. And when you do, you can flip a card and see what you find. And that might be loot. That might be, oh, look, uh, a, a giant bear has popped out, um, which if you play the video game, you know that you might be in the middle of trying to solve something and then something random happens and you have to deal with it while you're dealing with the original problem you're dealing with. So that that's in there. But also, all of this gear, there's so many things to find. And I, I, I can imagine how easy it would have been to say, oh, this is a chem card. Or here's you know something your guy can drink. Or something they can eat. But every mm. single little thing. I'm holding the rum card in my hand. <laughs> um, because everyone loves rum. But what I love is it 
the the chems or the substances that you put into your body in this game um, line up line by line next to your character card. And as you play, it sort of slides under and disappears. But each turn that it exists, um, just like in the game, you have an effect that influences the way your character uh, operates or your miniature operates on the tabletop that eventually times out. It's a very clever mechanic. Um, I just, I'm, I just gotta say, I'm really impressed. I mean, it's it's pretty much, uh, um, it's it's not quite a role playing game on the table, but obviously with our pedigree of other games, mm -hmm. you can see there's a lot of role playing influence on what's happening, and that and that's why it was a bit of a no brainer to then go, well, let's actually add the rest of the rules people need to do a role playing game with this. I mean. Yeah. Right, even with the basic set, I could run an RPG because yeah. you, every character card has got their stats, they've got their gear they can pick up. You know, it's like classic D and D. If you've got, if you've basically got attributes, you can role play, can't you? You know, because you just make a roll. You want to talk to someone, we'll roll your charisma. You know, um, but you know, we had the, we then added this whole book, which you know elaborated on the rules to give you all the you know really the the meat and two veg of of what you need to do a proper role-playing game yeah. with it. But yeah, yeah, it's we wanted to add flavor. Fallout, I think, is it's not your classic battle. It's like it's so full of stories. And any, anyone who's played Fallout and loves the game, you've we've all had those little mad storylines. We've all followed endless quests. We've all mm -hmm. ignored the main quest and gone off and done all the fun little quests. Um, we've all collected our favorite gear and, and getting that across without uh, but in a way such that you know this was like i want to play the big games now i don't want to be just one dude i want to have like four dudes uh, you know i want each of us to have a hero or i want i want to have a hero and like six survivors to back me up you know so we needed to simplify things to a certain bit which is why you know you don't have the um the the sort of uh um stop uh, stop start um, kind of VATS mode right. uh, we simplify that into you know you, you get to roll this blue dice and maybe you'll get some extra actions which reflects the fact that you're a bit better um, than anyone else but yeah I really like the fact that we got that flavor of Fallout into the game and I think that was really important that you know there's lots of good post-apocalyptic games out there mm. um, and but Fallout is fallout because of all this mad flavor because of nuka caps and because of of uh you know uh the chems and because of all the cool artifacts that make up that world and i think it was really important to get that into the game and it, and it gives us so much flexibility to create stories as well it does it does and speaking of nuka bottles i'm holding dog meat the model in my hand for those who haven't played the video game it's the german shepherd that uh, is the companion that your character can have uh, early on in the game. And um, there are multiple dog meets. I, I do own uh, all of them, I think. Uh, anyone who listens to the show <laughs> knows that we love dogs. Um, I do own all the dog meets that you guys make. Um, but sure. this particular dog meet I'm looking at has uh, the Nuka bottle, the empty Nuka bottle by his foot. Um, and that got me realizing that, and I started to go through my boxes, and there are... I mean, the, the, the core game itself comes with two mutant hounds. Um, uh, you have the aviator, who's like the, the big 
bad super mutant and a couple of basic super mutants, one for shooting, one for hand-to-hand. You get some settlers, you get the lone companion, um, you get a, a tech slave, um, you get a death claw, uh, you get a power armor guy, and you get dogmate. And as I was going through the models, I realized that every base is different. Yeah. Um, every model is, I mean, it, it would have been really easy to have some neat character in the models and then gone, oh, cool, here's some bases that look kind of like, you know, Fallout. But yeah. there is so much detail, and every base tells a little Fallout story that yeah. I think I, we couldn't go w- without mentioning that. It, it's funny, though, because the hilarious thing is the guys are like, okay, well, what are you going to put on the base this time? Because we're running out of ideas. <laughs> so, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to keep coming up with stuff that's like it works as a base because it can't be too big and crazy. Otherwise, it makes it more expensive. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I, one thing we could do is, as a point of difference, is most miniature games come with flat bases. Mm-hmm. I mean, actually, to be fair, Elder Scrolls, the, plas- the hard plastic sets come with flat bases because making thick, um scenic bases in hard plastic would make them stupidly expensive I can believe that, but yeah. for racing we can do that and we thought you know what that's a really great um added value because people often have to pay like i don't know five to ten pounds you know um like say ten five ten bucks uh to get scenic bases if we include them in the set that's a really nice added value and it's um you know it saves a lot of work for people and it again it's flavor isn't it, it just it brings is. out the storyline well, I do want to get to the Skyrim slash Elder Scrolls game in, in some depth in a sec. But before we do that, I do want to point out, as, as we said earlier, uh, Fallout has been out since 2017. And when the game first came out, we had the, the core game. And then very quickly, there, was the, there were the, um, the companions from Fallout 4 that appeared, or some of them that you could get. There have been multiple boxes of the, the personalities from the game. Um, but then we also yeah. had Brotherhood of Steel, and then all of that has expanded out. And now you have started putting out um, some models from Fallout New Vegas. There's been some models from Fallout 3. Um, and a- about a million STL files that you can download to yeah. get the scenery to make your tabletop look like Fallout, which is amazing. Yeah, it's one thing, I, I mean, I'm I always like to kind of, try new things and 3d printing is a thing you cannot ignore it and yeah. I, I think everyone in the war games industry is like dreading the day that someone can literally just print off a hundred orcs <laughs> that, that night. day's arrived yeah mm. uh, but it, yeah. I mean, it takes a while it's I, i've got a 3d printer i got one during lockdown um an fdm printer that prints in what's called pla so you've got two types of printer you've got resin printers yeah that are great for printing small, small details like, you know, miniatures. We use very, very, very expensive resin printers through other companies to print our masters. So they're ridiculously high detail and they cost like a hundred bucks uh, US uh, minimum for like a 32 mil scale miniature. Um, so FDM is like, it's a, it's, and they and they stink, you know, resin stinks, it's smelly, oh, it's, it's horrible chemicals. Whereas, FDM uses a spool of plastic wire, basically, and it melts it down and it draws things in layers. And it's not smelly and it's, you can make um, actually pretty detailed stuff. Everything I've been doing, I've been doing lots of experimental. I've been trying all the Fallout stuff and some Elder Scrolls stuff we're experimenting with. And um, 
uh, it's great for scenery and I'm doing everything on low res and you actually can do miniatures with FDM. But I was like, okay, if I can make it work, cause I, I don't really have the patience. If I can mm-hmm. make it work, then anyone can. And, um, 3d printing is a, imagine you just bought a color printer and you go to print your, your, um, you know, your PDF of a character sheet off. And it's like, wait a minute. Uh, oh, okay. So I need to figure out the setting for blue. Where's, uh, okay, so Dave on YouTube thinks blue is these 27 different settings, but Erica recommends this other 16 settings, but wait a minute, what's different? And then you get it completely wrong and it comes out green mm-hmm. and the ink slides off the paper because you didn't get the, you were using the wrong paper and the setting to make the ink stick to the paper. It's that crazy, right? Yeah. And so I, I nearly threw the machine out the window after a couple of weeks. I was like, I just... You know, it comes with the pig and the the duck and the dog and the cat that you can print off perfectly from the machine. And as soon as you try and print something else using the this free software that's out there, it just went wrong horrifically. And I was just like, "What am I doing? This is ridiculous." And then I I, I bit the bullet and, and went for this hundred and fifty dollars software called Simplify 3D that just works first time. And I was like, "Thank you, Lord." Yeah. And uh, I've been printing like a ninja since. Nice. And and so as a result, I was like, this is amazing and we have to embrace this. And we cannot be the company that's like, oh, what, 3D? Oh, yeah, it's going to go away. I'm going to stick my head in the sand. And mm-hmm. so we've embraced it. And, and, you know, our first wave of stuff is really cool scenery that it would just be crazy to make this in resin because it would be stupidly expensive. Yeah. Like we've got some stuff coming from Elder Scrolls. There is no way we could make it in resin. Um, it would just be pointless. So 3D printing is perfect for it. And we, we've we yet to put a actual miniature out in a, as a 3D print file, but we'll probably test that soon to see what the market's like. And it's something we're thinking, we know it's not going to go away. We know at some point soon people will be able to, you know, if you want to print your orc army at home now, it's going to take a long time. I mean, yes. it's the material's cheap, but it's hours and hours and hours and you've got to get it right. And it's a prop. It's like figuring out Meccano and you've even got to make the Meccano from bits of metal. Yes. <laughs> it, it's hard work and it's fun. If you're real, if you just really want to spend all your hours and you don't have anything else to do, you've got no other hobby that you really want to spend time on. It's fun. Um, so it's not at that level yet, but it will get there. And so I think as a, you know, as a, as a forward thinking company, we've, we've got to be like, yeah, guys, we're with you. We're, we're going to do 3d print together and figure out this hobby. And we've got, you know, with fallout, I think we've got a, a community of a few hundred people already, um, you know, printing off all the fallout files and, yeah. and we're figuring it out as we go, because you figure out that actually we couldn't make that 30 bird this size because people haven't got a, printer that can make it so we've got to make it the file smaller and, and there's it's a huge learning curve as a publisher to support it but you know we're, we're doing our best and there's a lot of people who are just like no no it's going to go away it's going to go away and it won't no it won't <laughs> i was gonna say it's only getting cheaper uh but like, i mean it's gonna go away <laughs> you guys have really leaned into that i mean when uh when fallout uh Fallout Wasteland Warfare first came out, there was, you could only get the cards in boxes. And so in order to get certain cards, like the rum card, you had to buy, for example, and I don't know which expansion I got that in, but I bought a ton of expansions and each one had different cards. 
But since that time, you guys listened to your fan base who said, we'd like to be able to get these cards elsewhere. And so you started selling card packs. But then COVID happened. And so yeah. now you sell the PDFs for very cheaply. Um, and for those of us who live in Australia who want to play games, um, who are able to then turn around and say, cool, I have the basic set. Um, I want to add something to my gaming experience. Oh, I can order that from the UK and it will take, you know, normally takes weeks. Now it might take months. Um, yeah, and it's crazy expensive as well because the, you know, there's no planes flying that they, the airmail can go exactly. in the holes for. So it's insane amounts of shipping. So, yeah, I mean, the, we made the AI files, which we'd always said, no, you have to buy the boxes. We're happy to give away the basic unit cards and weapon cards mm -hmm. because so you can just play battles. But the the value is in the storyline. But when COVID happened, we were like, you know what? People are on their own. We've got to let them play on their own. So that's why we made the decision to make the AI cards available for people. Um, and now we've got the app that's coming as well that will also uh, give you give you all the cards. Now, I'm um, not familiar with the app. Please tell us more. Oh, yeah. So we've um, uh, this guy came to us who's like, hey, I'm kind of developing an app. Is that okay? And we were like, okay, well, let's let's do it together because we want to make sure it's um, it's licensed and it's proper. And um, he did a fantastic job on it, and he's a coder uh, for the banks, I think, and um, and he's a massive fan of Fallout. So we've got it all approved, and it's it's in beta at the moment, so you can download it for free. And I think Android, you don't get charged. I think I, if you're on iPhone, you've got the option of buying the extra cards, uh, I think, for um, the first few factions, if, if you want to try them out. Um, nice. And then when it goes into um, the final version, you'll, you'll, whatever you've bought, you'll, you'll stick with you. So you do have to buy the cards again, but it's because if he doesn't get paid, he's not going to make it. So right, right. You have to pay Bethesda. So it's a small amount of money to, to get um, the cards for the different factions that you want. And but it, it does loads of stuff for you. It tracks, um, you know, a lot of the tokens like health and etc. It's you've got um, uh, all the unit cards in there so you can build your armies. It's really, really useful. So we're, we're trying to embrace lots of things like that and really support them. Um, and, and help make them better. Like we just launched Tabletop Simulator for Fallout. So I don't I know if you know. I saw that. Yeah, it looks great. Yeah. Again, a lot of companies are like, no, it doesn't exist. We're going to shut down anyone who tries to put our mm. stuff on there. So we were like, well, let's just put a free demo on. So my brother Al, he's really into it. I got him on board. Um, we helped out with the miniatures. And he's basically set up a whole demo game with... Um, everything from the best game but a lot of it and it's all free to download so you just have to own tabletop simulator which is like 10 by 10 mm -hmm. at the moment to get it's really worthwhile because there's so much cool stuff i've been playing uh war games with my brother al we used to play a lot years ago and of course we don't you know we hardly see each other now yeah. but now we've been playing regular war games um on tabletop simulator so you've got all these awesome 3d miniatures and there's lots of board games in it as well it's great, man. So if you're a war gamer, you can now play uh, Fallout games with your buddies uh, on Tabletop Simulator. So I definitely encourage you to go and check it out. And if yeah, you know if it goes well, we're we're definitely um, looking at rolling out the full game and then you know DLCs and stuff like that um, uh, through there as well. Because I don't think lockdowns are going away in the short no. term. I think we've got to face that you know 
there won't be loads of opportunities to get together and play, you know, unless you're a, a you know, you can just go to someone's house. So, um, you know, again, it's something we're embracing. Well, as someone who's sitting in uh, lockdown part two, the re-lockdown, yeah. I'm I'm yeah. not looking forward to lockdown three, the revenge. But um, yeah, no. Uh, look, I think it's it's so exciting the way you guys have been just embracing your community and and the technology. What lessons did you learn? I guess if we're segueing from Fallout um, to the Elder Scrolls game, because uh, I mean the models look great. One thing that I noticed is you actually sell the Fallout game with no models. Um, there is an option, yeah. which is yeah. really, you know, threw me the first time I saw it because I was like, the the game is so, I mean, Fallout is so visual and it just it has a style and Skyrim likewise has the same style. And yet you can get the the full game with no models. So uh, talk, talk us sort of the evolution going from Fallout, what you learned to Skyrim to then the player-free version. So I might, yeah, just dialing back to cards, actually, one of the lessons mm. was we, we also launched um, the Fallout game with cards in the boxes. Because you think, well, it makes sense, right? You buy the Suiciders, you get the Suicide cards yeah. with it. Um, from a marketing perspective, Oh, well, you get an you get all these extra unit weapon cards and quest cards and event cards. You really want to get all the boxes because then you get all the extra cards. So, it's, which is kind of makes sense. It's it's I, I like the idea of oh, what I get all this cool extra stuff with this box. But also, it's like well, that sucks. I don't really want the suiciders just to get those extra event cards. Right. So, um, you, you know, you can never you can never please everyone, but um logistically it made it simpler to put all the cards in you know we, we do these waves so it's the raiders wave or the institute mm -hmm. wave so the institute wave has all the institute cards lots of new event cards quest cards etc and it has you know and we also generally use oh here's some more heroes here's some more you know survivors some more super mutants so we collect everything together in that one box and logistically, that's easier to print that one box because when we were doing cards in the individual boxes, what would happen is the printer would be late. And it's like, well, we, we, we can't sell the box without the cards. We're yeah. waiting on the cards. It's like, well, we can't. We've got to wait for them. And then you'd be late. And it's like, oh, God, it's, you know, it was driving us crazy. And, and of course, now <laughs> you've got to wait for that one box. But if you plan, then it's it's there on time. But, you know, it's like with um, Elder Scrolls are our first new box of cards is coming in September, but we're releasing some of the character sets in August, but with cards to download so you can start playing them and try them out. Nice. Uh, so yeah, so one of the one of the learning curves that we, you know, even after wave one of, of Fallout, which was the Super Mutants, Brotherhood of Steel and Survivors, was okay, let's let's not try and put cards in every box. Um, because at least it's like, you know, you can get one box, you've got everything. You don't have to buy every single miniature set, which is kind of dumb as a marketing move. Um, but I think it's fair. And I, I like to, you know, I, I come from organizing clubs, right? So the clubs yeah. we used to organize, we didn't want to charge too much money. We were like, okay, what's a fair amount of money? Okay. It's, this is the ticket price. We don't want to steal money from people on the door because we want everyone to be able to come to this club and want it to be a fair experience and it was never about the money it was about making this great experience and i feel the same way about gaming i mean you know when it's a big licensed game sometimes the reason things are more expensive is a you're paying a, a license fee to bethesda or yeah. cbs or whatever 
Um, but also it's just also expensive. And then, you know, you've got a big staff of people to pay. And if you don't pay them, you're not going to have any more games coming out right. for that time. So it's, you know, it, it also gets complicated. But yeah, we thought, well, okay, logistically, it's easier putting cards in a box. It makes it means we can just get miniature sets out really fast. And it's very clear, you know, that they need to, you, need, you need to get these boxes. But when you get the box, you've got everything. You've got so much content. Uh, and so that was one of the learning curves for Elder Scrolls is, okay, let's have all the cards in the box for the first releases. And then the next thing was, you know, as we were doing costings, because we wanted to move to hard plastic for some of the bigger sets. And it just, you know, we were starting to hit a price you know because doing a hard plastic is really expensive you're yeah, yeah. if you do resin miniatures individually they're more expensive because it's they're made by hand but the molds cost nothing like a few hundred bucks but hard plastic you're talking ten thousand dollars so you, you don't even make a hard plastic set unless you know you're going to sell ten thousand units and that's an easy decision for a games workshop or a privateer press and for um you know, for a smaller games company, you're like, whoa, okay. So this really should be for the big, big sets that everyone's going to buy. Um, and so for Elder Scrolls, we started with the, the first three sets, um, Imperial Stormcloaks and the Draugr, mm -hmm. uh, hard plastic. Um, and then we were like, but this is going to make the, the core box is just going to be insanely expensive. And we want to make this, as accessible as possible. And then we hit on the idea of, why don't we just do a rules box? It's like, really, if we think about it, it's a bit like the 40K rule book. You buy yeah. the 40K rule book and then you go and buy your miniatures that you want, right? Mm -hmm. There's no difference, it's, it's a book or it's a box. But actually the box is pretty good because it's got the dice in, it's got all the cards, it's got all the counters, um, it's got a complete rule system and a whole bunch of scenarios. Um, and it's um, 35 pounds, which is pretty much the same price as a big rule book for a war game. Um, and then, so that meant I could say to people, you can just buy that box, go and use some 40K, some Warhammer or Age of Sigmar miniatures or whatever you've got lying around, some D&D &D figures and just try it out. Do you like it? Okay, fine. Well, then now you know that if you're an Imperial fan, go and buy the Imperial set or uh, just buy the Draugr set. So we did the... The Draugr set's got a um, Death Lord and three Draugr with swords and three skeletons. And then it's got the female Dragonborn. So you can just buy that one set and do your solo Dungeon Dells with the Dragonborn tooled up and, and go, this is awesome. Now I want to collect more stuff. So it, it did mean that we could be flexible and give people a really accessible way in to test the waters you know we released the rule books in advance um in pdf for free so people could read the rules and, and see what they think um and then you know make it uh, as open as possible so you can try the game um and then you know part of the lesson has been well and then we got hit by covid of course mm -hmm. literally launched the game thanks um yeah so that was, i mean thankfully um retail reopened and everyone took the pre-orders that they originally wanted and you know it's but what we have you know we had a big delay then on the the main card deck that supports the rest of the first wave of releases so that's coming late september but we were like well we can't have a couple of months of nothing and saying that there's a lot of shops that still aren't open in america you've got 16 states that are 
in lockdown still or going back into lockdown and you know a lot of stores are only just getting their stock so we were like okay well let, let's just give everyone a couple of months of launch to to gradually get back to normal ish yeah. um and then all the big launches are coming in you know the, the big card pack and the um we've got uh imperials um kind of uh big set and a, and a stormcloak set coming in um september but we wanted to bring some more adventurers because clearly everyone is so excited about the delve mode yeah. um, and just to explain that for those of you who don't know the game mm -hmm. you can play back just fight against each other or delve mode and delve mode might immediately make you think it's a dungeon crawl yes it is but delve mode is basically where battle mode is you you versus me will play a game and you also have some ai adversaries might pop up and mess with you in the, mean, in the middle of the game delve mode is i on my own or the two of us can play a game together we each take a hero and some followers or just heroes and we play a cooperative or solo mission together now that could be in a draugr infested tomb it could be that you and me pick uh we might pick raloff and yasserol thrice pierced and go and steal some plans from a, a busy imperial camp. It's it, it Delve stands for you know. Let's play the story together. Awesome. Let's play a battle together. It could be anywhere. It could be a dungeon. It could be a fort. It could be a forest camp. You know, and that's mm -hmm. clearly people are super excited about basically recreating Skyrim the video game, but with friends. You know, being able to take a force it's not just me on my own i mean i've got i run around with um mule half the time um starting to get a bit bored of her her telling me um stories about she used grim sleever and yep <laughs> all sorts of things i feel your but, pain uh, yep yeah yeah but it's she's cool she's great i mean yeah. hilariously just i just i'd left the companions uh quest really to the end and i've just gone back and did it and of course uh and Mjol's carrying loads of my cool weapons and stuff. And at one point in the quest, they're like, okay, you need to go off with this guy uh, to do this mission. And, and Mjol's like, oh, okay, well, I, I guess I'm going to go back to Riften then. And you're like, no, wait, wait, are you got all my stuff? And she's yeah. like, no, no, you're with someone. I'm, you know, it's okay, don't worry. So uh, I was resigned to losing everything and then managed to get rid of this guy eventually and then um, uh, and then went back and found her and she immediately follows you again. So that was cool. But, I mean, it, again, all this story comes out and you want to have all these followers around you and, and Miol's part of um, one of the adventurous sets is just about to come out. And so we, we brought forward these two adventurous sets. There's five named adventurers and five followers. So uh, fans are going to be able to, like, like flesh out their their uh, delve mode and start you know playing more with adventurers who are also are their standalone faction but they're also neutrals that uh could be hired by the stormcloaks or or um imperial factions so um yes as i was going back to the original point which is kind of the learning uh of not doing cards with them um and separating out the, the rules and the miniatures because the fallout starter set is brilliant value you know you've got 13 figures including the alien bonus figure mm -hmm. you've got a big thing to get you going you've got you know you've kind of got a brotherhood of steel power armor you've got some survivors you've got the soul survivor and dog meat you've got some super mutants so it's a bit of a rounder but the way we did that was with pvc figures which isn't everyone's um uh flavor and that was 
because we wanted a set that you could just start playing straight away and that would yeah. be as commercial as possible. But for war gamers, they're like, I hate PVC. Why are you giving me this? Um, so you can never please everyone. It's like, well, what is the set? Is it an intro? But actually, um, this doesn't always work for war gamers. So we thought, okay, well, I'll, the learning is let's just give people the rules and let them pick what they want. So we then let them pick the hard plastic sets for the Imperial Stormcloaks and Draugr. But we also have resin versions of those because resin is more detailed. Uh, and our resin, you know, we've really pleased, you know, our, our the guys that we've been using are just stunning in their quality. And, and, and we can do those beautiful scenic bases again. So the resin sets are more detailed, but they're a bit more fragile. Um, actually, I think ours are pretty good, but they are more fragile than hard plastic. Hard plastic doesn't quite have the level of detail, and it, but it's it's multi-part and it's mm -hmm. for the people who really want to build and customize. And, you know, it's a little bit more, um, yeah. Um, uh, well, I'd say resin is easier to put together because it's typically three parts, uh, whereas hard plastic has a lot more parts. So it, it just it just depends what you like, really. Yeah. Um, but we gave people the option and now the rest of the range is resin. So all the, cause there's a lot of characters that are coming through. Um, we were going to do uh, the, some of the, I'd say the unit sets. So where they're not named characters, we were going to do um, a, like a big Imperials and a, a Stormcloaks reinforcement set in the hard plastic and a Draugr set. But we've pushed that back because we don't know what retail is going to be like in three or four months. Yes. Um, and who knows what's going to happen? I mean, like a lot of the industry thinks about 20% of the stores are going to shut because they just, you know, you've got all these stores and, and it's, it's a bit different in Europe because we've had a lot of help, certainly in the UK with wages that yeah. the UK government has been paying people's wages whilst they're on, on uh, furlough. Um, um, but shops are still having to pay their rent and, you know, we've had to pay our rent, even though our office has been shut, you know, for, four or five months now and mm -hmm. whilst there's government loans in both you know in america and, and europe i don't know what the situation is in australia but there's it's a lot of this debt in the background that's building up and a lot of stores won't be able to survive and and so we're like well let's stick with resin because we know yeah. there's a market for that we can sell it online we can we can sell it into stores it's a bit more expensive than hard plastic but um we don't have to make this dangerous call on, well, are we going to sell 10,000 units? Because, um, I mean, you know, we can sell as many as we like as res. It's, it takes longer to make them. We've got a plan further ahead, but it, you know, it um, gives us a bit of um, safety and, and, and who knows, hopefully things get back to normal for next year. But, you know, the great thing is we know we're going to be making some beautiful figures. So that's all good. Looking at just looking at the range for the the Elder Scrolls game, the the models are fantastic, and again, you nail the Bethesda look, uh, and so it it absolutely looks like Skyrim, except on the tabletop. Um, and one yeah. of the things that I mean, just like in Fallout, part of what makes it it is the way the game looks. Now, Fallout has a very dystopian, post-apocalyptic sort of atomic version 1950s 
look to it that is very distinctive. Skyrim was more generic fantasy, but you guys have done a really great job of, I mean, besides going for the models, if we get into the terrain, um, you're able to get the Bleak Falls Barrow terrain set. You're able to get the Nord Tomb Walls, which if you've gone on any dungeon crawl in Skyrim, you've seen, you know, the tombs with the with um with the the bodies laying across and some of them activate into zombies or draugr and some don't. Um and then of course puzzle boxes and 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 hatch is switches to pull and um chests to explore. All of those are integral to the game and you you yeah. have them, which is awesome. <laughs> it was one of those things that was just like, well let let's at least do that. Um I mean again the making resin walls isn't cheap. Um but we wanted to make sure people could get them because it's such a, an obvious thing. And it's amazing seeing all the creativity as people kind of generate their own terrain. But we're probably going to um, bring some of that forward into um, 3D print files. And we've got this beautiful fort that we've been modeling the Western Watchtower Ooh. from outside White Run. So you can make this kind of slumped, uh, ruined walls to defend and, uh, and a tower to explore. Uh, and using all those parts, you can actually make up a whole kind of ruined fort that, um, and we've kind of scaled, I mean, the great thing with 3D print, you can scale it to however you like, but yeah. the kind of base standard scale is is enough that it looks like a fort, but it doesn't like totally take over the whole table and it's kind of ruined and you can just run around it and um, it just creates this interesting terrain. And I'm really, I'm really excited. I've been printing it like crazy at home. So I can show people what it's going to look like and, and all the different stuff you can do with it. That's it awesome. is like having Lego again. It's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's one of the things I've noticed um, with the Elder Scrolls stuff in particular is that it's modular. So there are wall pieces, there are corner pieces, uh, and so yeah. that you can reconfigure it um, a lot more so than, you know, the Fallout stuff, absolutely. Um, you can arrange it however you like. There are the desks, there are computers, consoles. Um, there are crates, um, crashed whirly birds, the whole thing. But with this, um, you're because of that modularity with the wall sections, you're able to create the tomb as you go um, to, and it'll be different every time, which is just awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it gives you that flexibility to make uh, stuff. We've actually got a, um, I mean, AI and solo play is a big thing you know, just as much for Skyrim for us. So we've got a, um, a, a kind of basically a dungeon builder coming up as a PDF, Ooh. which is going to let you create your own random uh, dungeon crawls. And uh, so Mark Latham's been working on that and it's um, just going through approvals at the moment. And that that's really fun. And it, it what it doesn't do is go, here's a corridor, here's a room, here's another corridor. It creates interesting spaces because if you remember when you when you kind of go running through a, a skyrim um tomb or <coughs> excuse me um often it's a an area of rooms and spaces where usually like okay you've got to figure out this puzzle and this thing to get to the next room so what we created is this interesting system that lets you build these challenges with an area which will have its own adversaries and once you succeed at that challenge you unlock the next space oh, and cool. so you can kind of set up that space play it through and then set up the next space and play it through um and that's going to be really fun i think and again it follows our kind of love of giving people the tools to be able to just play their own stories at home well if you're playing stories in skyrim 
you gotta there's the the forever meme the most uh said line in that game that uh, i still hear in my sleep after playing skyrim for as long as i did which is when you get the town guard the storm cloak gentleman who says ah yes i was an adventurer till i took the arrow in my knee <laughs> um and because you have this storm cloak faction of course you can have that guy which is awesome yeah yeah <laughs> sorry that's a great thing and also the good thing with the storm cloaks is they you can paint them to look like hold guards as well which is right. you know they're a familiar look that's right. That's right. Um, yeah. Now, uh, I did want to point out, and it's something that you mentioned a minute ago, that both Fallout and Skyrim, both of those, or Elder Scrolls, uh, both of those games that you have made, um, you did mention that there is a battle mode. So for those of you who are tabletop yeah. gamers and like to uh, compete against someone or play against another person, I, I think I have not underlined that enough, that not only is this game solo not only can you play it cooperatively you can play it adversarially as well um and there are point values so you can play balanced games if if the narrative aspect of these games don't appeal to you or if you want to just try to play it a different way um that is absolutely something that you can do um and i think that yeah just wanted to be clear that i've drawn that underline um but yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely a good thing we have in fallout there's a settlement mode where you can it's a it's a means to kind of it's a fun way of building your settlement mm. in the background uh that gives you access to different cards and and uh in your collection and even i could be playing that and you're not playing that and and when we come to play a game together at the same time we're still balanced we're still playing with the same points exactly uh, i've just got access to whatever i've got through my settlement mode and it's balanced um it's interesting because i was just reading about you know the new crusade mode for gw and how you know they've got this sort of campaign mode that they're developing but um, the other person can be playing who's not playing campaign mode and it's still, and they've got, well, they've got means of balancing. So it's, it's definitely something that companies are looking for ways to go beyond the battle mode. But battle mode is still, you know, some people just want to get together and throw some armies against each other and yeah, kill stuff. Exactly. Roll dice and have some fun. And that's, and that's great. You know, and we completely support that and why it's, it, that's why it's part of Skyrim, uh, and Elder Scrolls. Um, but we're, we're throwing lots of effort at the, you know, at the cooperative experience. Because I also think that there's the old joke that two people go to play a war game and one walks away happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So, and, you know, and I, I don't mind losing. I like just trying mad stuff. But, you know, if you're competitive and stuff, you want to you wanna be able to do that. That's great. But we also think that there's a really good... Um, uh, and, and we can show people there's a lot of fun to be had in playing a battle alongside your friend that you can be playing against this um, AI enemy um, and that together you can unfold the story. So it just takes away that competitive initiative. If you're a gamer that's like, oh, I don't really want to play with all those hardcore competitive people and, you know, it's never that fun. And I think there's a lot of people in that area where it's great if you are both competitive and you don't, you know, there's a, you have a lot of fun, you know, um, ripping holes in each other's armies mm -hmm. and, Banter and stuff, and that's great. But for the people who are don't really enjoy that, then the cooperative gameplay is great. And I think a lot of people will start to discover 
the fun side of that as well. But at the same time, you know, we're continuing to support, you know, the battle mode in Elder Scrolls has you contending with AI forces as well. So whilst we're attacking each other uh, or trying to achieve an objective, there's going to be Draugr popping up. Uh, and there's a cool way that that works into the game because um, I get to I get to pick one of the spawn points that the the archer the Draugr archer appears at, mm -hmm. and I can really use that to ruin your day. So that's a really fun aspect of it as well. That's cool, and that just adds that uh, that that cooperative aspect to it as well. I mean, though I guess you're the opposite of cooperating, but um, you are still interacting with your opponent um, through the use of the AI, which is great. Now, Chris, you did mention uh, that there was a the the dungeon exploring uh, mode that was coming up. You have talked about the upcoming app um, that will assist both cooperative solo and uh, battle play. Um, given that, I guess you've talked about it at length, but let's throw this out there: uh, Is there any other way that you are sort of uh, getting into the the world of solo gaming more than usual, given the sort of situation that we're in? Well, yeah, uh, actually, we fast tracked a bunch of stuff um, for both Fallout and Elder Scrolls. So oh, cool. Fallout has got a um, a mode called Into the Wasteland coming, which actually doubles down on the on the quite detailed solo and AI system. And that basically lets you randomize your wasteland. So you can go exploring and move across a map. So it's a kind of square crawl. <laughs> uh, so you move across a map and each each uh, area you enter um, sets up a, a, a different size battle map with its own denizens with their own behaviors. So we're introducing behaviors. So a death, a death claw might be prowling for prey. A super mutants might be running away from something. <laughs> um, oh, that's a, awesome. Some, some uh, uh, rad scorpions might be nesting. You know, so they're they all they're doing their own thing like they would normally do in the game if you stumbled across them and you can avoid them and hide from. They don't just immediately react and come all stream towards you and attack you. So, um, you, you know, you might, and the hilarious thing is you might see a Brotherhood of Steel power, um, power armored guy walk on and then start attacking the, the death claw. And then that triggers the something else to happen. And so it's all kind of living whether you're taking part or not. So that's, that's something we really wanted to bring forward. And it's going to be a PDF that people can download and, and just, um, print off the bits they need. Oh, that's awesome. Uh -huh. Because that is so Fallout too. I mean, the number of times yeah, I've walked into a situation and gone, wait, what's going on? Who's doing what? Who do I shoot at? Yeah, exactly. And it's and that's the great thing with both Fallout and Elder Scrolls. You can just walk a bit and stuff happens to you. There's like it's not like it's a completely empty world. There's things going on. And, and there's more like we've got another product that's going to really double down on the on the uh, settlement mode, which um, introduces uh, character evolution and um, settlement uh, and actually building your settlement, actually defending it. So oh, you, cool. you, you now bring it onto the tabletop. Oh, that's awesome. And we've got, we've got a vault uh, builder, a bit like we've got the dungeon builder coming that builds really fun vaults for you to explore because again that's a bit of a no-brainer why wouldn't you have that yeah. and and so all of that stuff we've been fast tracking to try and get out 
Um, and it, you know, sometimes it just takes time. I wish we could have done it quicker. So for Elder Scrolls, obviously having all that been going on, we've been able to plan a bit more further ahead and we've got a, a product which I've been working on, uh, which is a complete solo campaign. And with Fallout, we included this sort of settlement mode in the base game and we actually tried to make the base game a bit simpler and a lot, you know, take out um, a lot of extra stuff. So you had really good solo mode, uh, well, delve mode and battle mode, and that's it. Mm -hmm. So um, this new product that's coming kind of introduces your, this settlement mode, but in the form of an actual storyline. So um, you're going to start as this one character from a random hold, and you'll figure out which hold it is, and that will give you a little bonus. And um, you get, you know, paid to uh, escort um uh, someone to a village and um, you bring a couple of your friends along because the money's good mm -hmm. and you get there and they're being attacked by bandits so you have to save the village and you discover this storyline starts unfolding that connects you to the village and um, you now have this um, whole campaign that unfolds around the village and you, you start having to rebuild the village and improve it and start training up the villagers. Because normally in the game, when you go to do a, a mission, you spend, it's like, okay, this is a 300 septim mission. So you can spend septims on a hero or followers and gear, but you can't do that now unless you build certain buildings. So you're limited in, you've got to train some of the villagers up. Uh, you can evolve your followers. They get names, they get what we call campaign skills. So they don't get better necessarily in a mission. They're not better at fighting. But, you know, for example, you can train one follower as a Huskarl, and a Huskarl can train villagers, but they have to spend a turn, a campaign turn doing it, so they can't go on a mission. So you've got to think, well, who am I going to leave back at the village? Because I need to train some more guys up. And um, But I also need to, you know, we need to build another farm because we're going to need some more villagers. And, oh, wait a minute, but we need some defences. And the other thing that can happen is, so now you go off and do any missions. You can do missions from the campaigns that we're doing. You can do any any mission you like. Uh, but when you come out of a mission, you're going to roll to see what happened to your wounded. Uh, and then you're going to roll to see if there's been an event and maybe the village got attacked. So you better hope that you left some good people back at the village. And that's mm -hmm. why it's a good reason to expand your force, grow it. Oh, I want, it, I want it to get some more heroes. I need a really good tank to leave in the village to help defend them. Um, and as you do this, you start to trigger campaign events that will then open up uh, specific uh, scripted missions that you're going to play that advance the storyline. The local Jarl starts to notice you that, hey, we've heard this guy's or this girl's rebuilding this village and defending it and because we couldn't help them. And so he starts to give you uh, jobs to do. And it, it's building up to this epic finale and uh, it's going to be great fun. And it, it's something that I could be playing it on my own. You could be playing it on, our, on your own. And then I'd be like, hey, I really need to play an Imperial mission. Do you want to fancy doing a game together? And we just play a normal game together, normal points. But it's still my characters, my hero playing it. And the, the result of that mission uh, might give me some more septims or treasure and artifacts to support my game. So it's really balanced in terms of battle mode. You know, um, I can be playing it. I can play missions against someone who's just not playing the campaign. And that will help me as well uh, in terms of allegiances and, and points and stuff. So 
it's we're having a lot of fun putting it together and i've teamed up with this um designer who's uh, quite well known for doing these kind of um the, um a lot of solo games that have these campaign missions campaign turns sequences and interesting features and we've got mark latham involved in terms of um uh balancing how characters evolve and, and level up as well that is so, so cool i mean i got lost about halfway into what you were saying and was like yeah that, that's exactly like the game and then went no i'm thinking of the video game you're taking tabletop gaming to such i mean you're giving us so many tools to to play uh in our in yeah, our toolbox it, it's, it's, yeah yeah a lot of it is about toolboxes because not everyone wants all that stuff so it's like what are the different interesting systems that you like in the game? And then you can choose to use those. Uh, and we've got more coming for um, Elder Scrolls. So each, each what we're calling a chapter. So we're in chapter one at the moment, which is, you know, fleshing out the Imperial Stormcloaks and the Adventurers. So chapter two is called Steam and Shadow. And that's you know, you've got the Dwemer and the, mm -hmm. the Dark Brotherhood. So there's going to be loads of cool Dwemer constructs to add to your adversaries. You've got um, Frostbite Spiders coming. You've got the Dark Brotherhood. So loads of guys in cloaks with stabby daggers mm -hmm. and uh, uh, archers and things. So that's, that's going to be a lot of fun. And that will introduce another uh storyline product that will expand the gameplay rules and um the the kind of solo co-op side of stuff and we've also got um a, a civil war campaign book coming this autumn that is a really cool civil war to play um uh as a battle mode so uh, so we're also supporting people who are like yeah but i just want to play battles so that's great you're going to get a whole campaign where you fight backwards and forwards across skyrim and um, and you, you might end up with a siege of someone's castle, which is going to be brilliant fun. So uh, so we're supporting that. So each each act, each storyline is coming with a battle mode product and a storyline product. We're calling it Tales of Tamriel at the moment. So this one is the settlement building elongated quest. And then the next act with Steam and Shadow will have another battle mode campaign and another storyline product that will add some more cool features to the game and so you're building up this toolkit of stuff that lets you play how you want to play basically oh that is so exciting i cannot wait to see this roll out because just watching the the fallout game roll out has been awesome but what you're describing is a whole other level oh yeah. that's fantastic um well cool i i I'm sad to say our time is sadly wrapping up and I could, yeah. God, you have so many awesome things to tell. Uh, I hate to say that go, but um, if we are talking solo gaming though, um, I, I did not want to let you go without mentioning um, that you have one of the awesome Joseph McCullough games as well uh, through Modiphius. You guys sell yeah. um, the, the deluxe collector's edition of Rangers of Shadow Deep. Now, um, how did that come into being? Because that wasn't part of your game catalog to start with. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I've known uh, Joe uh, for a while and uh, saw Rangers of Shadow Deep, played it, loved it. And it's like, it just fits in. Um, we, we have this um, kind of uh, genre that we're, we're growing called Adventure War Games. Mm. And uh, we actually had a meeting yesterday talking about what is an adventure war game. And it's, it's where it's, you know, it's a war game where the story is more important than the battle in a, in a sense. 
And I keep saying things like, wouldn't it be cool if it was more fun to lose the game because you might win the campaign? Yes. Uh, And other things become more important than just winning. Um, And and of course, you know, we're all used to um, uh, mission objectives where, you know, you've got to do X, not just kill the enemy force. And it's kind of really, it's taking narrative to a new level. But what I've been looking, I've been looking around at all the cool sort of narrative miniatures slash war games that are out there. And Joe's as Rangers of Shadow Deep was an obvious one that was, you know, firmly planted its solo gamer flag in the sand and, and had a really great following. And it was only available on drive through. And I thought, wouldn't it be brilliant to get this into retail? Because a lot of people don't go on drive through, you know, they want a nice beautifully printed book so we yeah. did this like you know faux leather collector's edition with a you know all new layout and we're teaming up with another uh, similar designer who's got a really wonderful um solo game system that we're also we're currently in editing and and just been doing all the artwork for now and we're going to be recruiting a lot of designers like that you know commissioning new stuff finding cool stuff that's out there already and, uh, and helping to get it out that's awesome yeah awesome. so and Wait, watch this space. There'll be more. Well, <laughs> if if you are interested in picking up that uh, beautiful collector's faux leather book, uh, but you also, for example, live in Australia or in the U.S., uh, and you might have to wait a long time for shipping these days, I did notice that through your store that if you buy that, uh, you do get the free PDF to play around with while you're waiting. So you can get you down and play it immediately, and then, like Christmas, uh, later on, you get a nice surprise in the mail. Well, Chris, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on, man. Thank you so much for making the time. No worries. It's been brilliant having a chat. Happy to come anytime. Oh, please come back. Let's let's talk about uh, the Skyrim game later on once I've had a chance to play it. Um, now, guys, Modifius. Uh, now, let me spell that out for you in case you're looking over the course of this and you haven't seen it on the footnote uh, for this episode. It is M-O-D-I-P-H-I-P-H. U.S. That's M-O-D-I, Modi, P-H-I, Fee, Us, U.S. Um, And that's .NET. And if you go there, they have all the cool stuff. Uh, I have been scrolling through this website for days uh, in preparation for this uh, episode, and I keep finding new cool stuff. So, guys, check it out. It is definitely worth looking at. The Fallout game is amazing, and I am loving the look of... uh, Elder Scrolls Call to Arms, and I can't wait to get that box too. Um, Lord knows when it will actually arrive, but um, you know, I'll have all the time in the world to wait. But uh, anyway, um, guys, thank you so much. If I've had a lot of people saying um, if or asking if I could have someone from Modifius on for a while to talk about the Fallout game, um, and I thought the Skyrim game would uh, appeal to you guys as well. Um, if you have suggestions for future episodes or feedback that you'd like to give me, um, I know a lot of people have been asking how things are in Melbourne, uh, given that we have had a spike in COVID cases. Um, thank you for everyone who has expressed, um, you know, all the love. I, I, I cannot express into words how much that means to me. Um, you can find me and message me directly um, through our Facebook page. That's Cast Dice, C-A-S-T-D-I-C-E. Uh, if you go to that Facebook page and message it, there is only one person who answers it. That's me. My name's Brad. Hi. Uh, and again, thank you for listening. Um, as my good buddy Casey says, 
Ladies and gentlemen, when you are playing the games that we know and love, I hope that your beverages are cold. I hope your dice roll hot. But more than anything else, we at Cast Dice hope that you are having fun. Good night. Cracks open, another Heineken, he's all